Get ready to hear the truth about America on a show that's not immune to the facts with your host, Dan Bongino. All right, welcome to the Dan Bongino Show. Producer Joe, how are you today? Great being here with you, Dan. Great. Yeah, we have the best audience. Every time yep. I uh, reach out for some advice or some drops or something, uh, everybody always sends us stuff. So thank you so much. We had a record-breaking day yesterday. Yeehaw! Largest one-day show ever. Really? Ever. Sound like Joe Rogan. Eva, he talks like that sometimes. It's, uh, yeah, I appreciate it. You all have uh, made my day, week, month, and year, as always. Thank you so much. Um, I got a lot to talk about, including some uh, listener feedback. Given that we don't take calls on the show, maybe we will in the future. We certainly don't plan on taking a lot, but maybe one or two. Uh, you know, Joe and I are working out some things. Uh, but I do get a lot of email. Um, we read them all. I try to respond. I'm sorry, folks. I can't respond to all of them. But my wife and I, and uh, sometimes my daughter, do read them. Uh, uh all, we do read all of them, I should say. Sometimes my daughter, I didn't mean to say sometimes we read your email. Sometimes my daughter reads them too. But I got an interesting email from a guy named Gary, and it was a, it was a, it was a nasty one. I usually don't address the nasty ones on the air, but it was nasty because it just goes to show you sometimes how you can say something you think you're conveying. Now you want to know why I repeat things? Because you think you're conveying a thought so clearly, and then you get some Looney Tune who sends you an email, and you're like, did he even listen to the show, or did he hear what he wanted to hear? Uh, so I'm going to get to that, and I'm going to talk about uh, something that happened with Joe Scarborough from MSNBC this morning, which right. is really disturbing. They will take something from you. Huh. All of you. Don't forget that. All right. All right. Uh, today's show brought to you by our buddies at Dynatrap. This, <laughs> you, you almost have to be careful with this. This is like the greatest invention ever. Your entire neighborhood could be insect-free with this thing. That's how effective this thing is. I'm not kidding. My wife can tell you stories about that. They sent me a sample of this. Before I even realized they were going to be a sponsor, I'm like, oh, how did this, what did someone like ship something to my house? for? They sent me a sample of this. It's a, it's basically an insect trap. They have an indoor and an outdoor version. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh, let me try this. I came out the next day. I was like, oh, my gosh. My, I'm in Florida, the insect capital of the world. <laughs> I think the state of Florida is insect free due to dying a trap. I'm not kidding, Joe. I got to. You know what? I'm going to see if they could send you one of these. Try this. You will not be disappointed. Well, the okay. insect is a state animal down there, isn't it? It is. It is. <laughs> You're right. The mosquito. The state. The state at right. You're absolutely right. It's pretty funny. Uh. So summertime is officially upon us. And the only thing more annoying than bugs, mosquito bites, insects all over the place. Oh. Oh. <laughs> Our flies. The only thing more annoying than Nancy Pelosi, Trump's team. Joe, can you start this over? Yeah. You know what? I'm not I'm gonna th- just leave it in because this is uh, funny. Okay. We start over, You're, but leave they, it in. Dave Dave wrote this. This is really funny. Okay. The only thing more annoying than Nancy Pelosi, Jim Comey, fake news, the left. <laughs> they wrote this are flies mosquitoes and other insects invading your home we love this why we love these guys <laughs> so we'd like to thank our sponsors over at dynatrap dynatrap is the leading manufacturer of outdoor mosquitoes and insect traps and now they've just come out with the indoor dynatrap fly light this is what they sent me you will not have a bug anywhere in your home ever again in your entire life the dynatrap fly light looks like a subtle nightlight that plugs into any indoor outlet the Dynatrap Flylight works day and night to attract and trap flies, mosquitoes, and other pesky insects. And I'm telling you, this thing works. You will not have another bug in your home. It looks like a little like a nightlight, and it's got a, uh, a trap. Then as the, as the mosquitoes and bugs are attracted to the light, they, they get caught in the trap. It's, it's small. It's, you're not gonna, it's, it's Trust me on this thing. It is worth it. I've been using the fly light for a couple of days, actually a couple of weeks now, and it's insane the number of flies, mosquitoes, and gnats it's caught uh, that would otherwise be buzzing around my house, which is really gross. Trust me, there's nothing more embarrassing and gross looking than hanging up that old school fly paper. Remember that nasty stuff, Joe? Mm-hmm. That fly paper? That was gross. Plus, you'll never know what kind of bacteria those flies are spreading. This thing, you can change out the trap, uh, lickety-split, no problem at all. Go to Dynatrap.com. That's Dynatrap.com and enter promo code Bongino, B-O-N-G-I-N-O. Dynatrap.com, promo code Bongino, my last name, and receive 15% off any of their products. Dynatrap, the safe, silent, and simple solution to household insect control. They have an outdoor version, too. This You will not find a more uh, terrific product if you have an insect problem for your household, indoor or outdoor, for the summer. Go check it out. Okay. Um, so I got this email from... This guy, Gary, whatever, who had a beef with my show and mm. started to, uh, I mean, basically att- attack me saying, oh, you must think you're a real badass, you know, going after me for that show the other day. Oh. Um, folks, did, did he did this guy listen to the show? 
The entire purpose of the show the other day, and this is going to tie in. This is only, you know, I try not to bring up viewer email unless it ties into the show today, or else we can get lost in all this stuff. The the point I'm trying to make and was trying to make in the other day's show that he seems to have missed, and I'm going to make again today, is that this is not a fight we as conservatives are asking for. We want to be left alone. Our politics end at our front door. Right. They end at our front door. My politics, my 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 God-given rights, individual liberty, small government, leave me alone and let me handle my family politics, end at my front door. I don't want to exit my front door and impose my politics on you. If you are a believer in... Whatever you whatever you believe in, LGBT activism, high taxes, uh, you know, confiscation of money. If you believe in all that, that's your thing. Mm. I just want you to leave me alone in my family. My politics end at my front door. The point I was trying to make is the lefts don't. They will take something from all of you. They have to. I'll relate this in a minute to a tweet by the sicko Joe Scarborough over at MSNBC. He's a total nutbag, right? They will take something from you, every one of you, because their politics begin at your front door. They're taking of your money, your health care, your kids' education, your very right to practice your religion, your right to property. All of that begins at your front door. They are not interested in these policies impacting them. They're interested in policies that impact you. Yeah. The point I was trying to make in that is we did not ask for this fight. And the left has taken a disturbing lurch towards accepting and openly calling for violence now. We did not ask for this fight. It's not a fight we wanted. The point I was trying to make is, given their protected cocoons they live in and their lack of experience with actual real-world violence, the point I was trying to make is they don't understand the real consequences and ramifications of what they're asking for. If they did, they wouldn't ask for it. The most Peaceful, pacifist people I know in the conservative movement are the people who've been through actual combat and actual real world violence, who understand the horror of what's being asked for by the left, the snowflake class that has no idea what they're asking for. The whole point of the show the other day was not that I'm a bad. The point was, I'm not a badass. Everybody who thinks they're a badass are people who typically haven't had their actual asses kicked. (laughs) Joe, did I... wasn't the whole purpose of the show telling you the story of the time I got tuned up badly for the first time yeah. in a controlled jujitsu class and how I thought it was the worst thing ever? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I thought it was so horrible, folks. The the ability to not breathe while another guy is just completely destroying you. And there's nothing you can do. You're exhausted. Your muscles don't work. You can't get out of it. There's nothing. But there was no sense of... Life or death panic. There was panic because you can't breathe and there's always panic with that. But it wasn't like I'm going to die. And I thought it doesn't get any worse than this, but it does. It does. The first time I was in that street situation as a cop and I was attacked by a guy on a domestic violence call. And I was like, wow, there really is no tapping out here. There's not, I can't ask this guy to stop. Like this is going to go on until I stop it was a sense of real panic and anxiety that I had never experienced before, even though I had, Joe, spent right. most of my adult life training for that, whatever, 30, 40 seconds, although it seemed like an eternity. Yeah, there's no control, right? There is no control. The whole point of it is we, you're not a badass. Right. These snowflakes think they are because they've been protected by institutions that sanction their calls for violence. The government, politicians academia, Hollywood types that have condoned this, that have sanctioned it. They're protected. They've never experienced the ramifications of a punch in the face. Thank God. Nor am I recommending you should try that. The whole point of the show was to point out this fallacy in the violence as a solution argument. I, my simple point was that there are you, you, if you continue to push down this road, people will defend themselves. There you go. And the horror you're bringing on to everyone You have no experience with that. That was the point. Now, I say that because there are people, I watched something, you know, I want to um, just say quickly, God rest the soul of Charles Krauthammer, who uh, passed yesterday. Um, I'll get to that in a second. Um, But Jonah Goldberg, who I have a lot of respect for, I like Jonah Goldberg. And, you know, folks, listen, Jonah has some really brilliant 
things to say. He did a podcast with Russ Roberts a few weeks ago on Econ Talk. I can't recommend enough. Um, they have different political beliefs than I do in many respects, but I believe Jonah's a very bright guy, and even though his feelings about some of the things the president does are different than mine, um, I have a lot of respect for him, and uh, I've, I've said that in tweets. I, I challenged him on a tweet. I didn't hear back from him a few weeks ago, but that's all right. But Jonah was on, uh, and he was talking about Dr. Charles Krauthammer, uh, you know, one of the geniuses of our time this morning. And he brought up something, and I don't mean to conflate these two topics, but it's important because it, I, he was saying how, you know, Charles had a way of biting back, but how conservatives, he got it, he went into kind of this side topic, Joe, about how some conservatives now have become really hostile towards liberals and how we should almost like dial it back a bit and, and emulate the style of, of Charles Krauthammer, who could be biting himself. I, I, you know, I met Charles a couple times in the Washington, D.C. green room of Fox. So Charles was a, 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 a um, incredible, generous, unbelievably kind and loving human being. And the brief experiences I've had, but I've heard from people around him as well. But Charles had a biting wit. And I, I thought to Jonah, that's assuming something, Joe. It's assuming that the left and liberals are, are reasonable. Yeah. That we should somehow, I don't know, would dial it back because why? I mean, I'm not suggesting we should be overtly hostile or immoral in our actions. I'm just suggesting to Jonah, and I mean this with the all due respect because I do like Jonah. Um, do you want, I, I'm wondering if you understand what we're up against here. You know, and, and to show you what I mean... Crazy nutbag Joe Scarborough from MSNBC tweeted this morning that you know you're you're um you you, you may not be uh, if you was what, let me you know what let me read the tweet so I don't I don't want to be unfair to you know him he tweeted supporting Donald Trump does not make you a racist but it does make you the supporter of a racist now this is insane this is absolutely insane you're suggesting to me. Um, a patriot, someone who loves this country, a sinner, a self-acknowledged sinner nonetheless, but a father, a guy who would do anything to anything to make sure liberty is respected, but that liberty is evenly distributed amongst all the citizens who have an opportunity out there. You're suggesting to me that because I support Donald Trump, I'm supporting a racist. One of the most disgusting, disturbing things. You, this guy's this guy's on a major network, folks. Scarborough. Joe Scarborough and his, uh, his, by the way, I'll have on NRA TV later, and one of the most uncomfortable exchanges I've ever seen with his fiance, Amika Brzezinski. Unbelievable. The video is like cringeworthy to watch. But Scarborough is suggesting we're supporting a racist, that, that 49, 50% of America who are going to vote and probably vote to reelect Trump are all supporting a racist? This is my issue with... with what Jonah was saying. My issue is that you're assuming we're dealing with reasonable people and that reason's going to work. That th those rules are done. Yeah. Now, the reason, Joe, they're doing this, and I put a little note here, and you see all these Nazi comparisons now and these comparisons to slaveholders. Uh, the reason they're doing this, the left is very deliberate. This is not a mistake. The left is doing this in liberals, comparing conservatives to Nazis, slaveholders, people putting the, the Japanese in internment camps in World War II. The reason they are doing this is it's an effort to dehumanize you, folks. It's an effort to make you something less than human. And when you're something less than human, you can be treated like something less than human, and violence is acceptable. Think about it. We bring controlled violence to animals every day to eat them. You kill them. I mean, it's mm -hmm. in some cases violent. It's not pretty. But we do that because they not they are not human. They're not. Just, these are listen, these are just facts, however uncomfortable they may be for you. We bring controlled violence to animals all the time. When you treat people like slaveholders spoke about slaves like they were something less than human beings. Like they were second class citizens. They were second class uh, beings. They weren't, you know, they, 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 they did not have the finger of God placed on their shoulder, blessed with the same big R rights you do. When you do that and you dehumanize people, you invoke a response. And that response is you can be treated like something less than human and controlled and even uncontrolled violence is somehow acceptable. There's a larger fight going on here. I'm not trying to 
you know, wax philosophical here and, and take this to another realm. I'm, I'm trying to ground it for you. I'm trying to do the opposite. And that email this morning got me thinking, like, does this guy not get what I'm saying? We are avoiding this. We, nobody wants this fight. Nobody wants this fight. Nobody. On our side, I'm talking about. The left does. My point was that the left doesn't understand the consequences because they've never been there. Because people who have been there in a sea of uncontrolled violence, not controlled protest, who have been there understand how absolutely horrible it is. Horrible. They These social justice warriors don't get this, but they keep trying to go there, pushing, pushing, invoking for the, you know, the, the, the rape of an 11 year old boy, like Peter Fonda did on Twitter over and over Madonna. I want to blow up the white house. Yes. These are not isolated incidents, folks. It is the, it is the, the, a strategic tactical maneuver to dehumanize conservatives and Republicans as non-legitimate human beings. Therefore, violence becomes legitimate against non-legitimate beings who are not, in fact, human on par with you. This is a very tactical, strategic thing. These Nazi comparisons. Comparisons to Nazis. You know, one of the real shames of the Wall Street Journal, that kind of came out wrong, but of the Wall Street Journal's business model is... Some of their great articles you just can't reach because they're they're subscriber only to it. There is an article, Joe, an op-ed up today at the Wall Street Journal. Mm-hmm. Let me pull it up. I was prepared for the show, folks. I'm just, again, taking this in a bit of a different direction. It's by Jay Winnick. It's called, if you want to look it up, Trump's Critics Desecrate the Holocaust. I am very humbly asking you to read it. Google it. Try to get it on Twitter. I'm not going to put it in the show notes because it's subscriber only, but I think on Twitter you can read it. You know, listening to the story, people, thousands of people packed into train cars, no light, no water, older Jews they're talking about, obviously, packed into train cars for a 72-hour train ride to Auschwitz, Standing, many of them the entire time, some of them with, you know, no, no, actually most of them with no food, no water, kids, kids, little kids clinging desperately to their parents' arms, not knowing what was at the end of that train door. 72 hours later, train door opens. Some Nazi guard starts screaming in a language some of them didn't even understand. Screaming, flashing lights in their face. They haven't seen light in 72 hours, blinding them. Sending the men over to uh, labor camps to do tortured labor, getting them up at, uh, you know, four o'clock in the morning, having them sleep and no, with no clothing and sub-freezing temperatures. Most of them died from that. The other one sent right into a gas chamber where a gas called Xylon B, while mothers are holding their kids' hands. Doors locked behind them. Big iron bar, locks that door. Mother, you know, sometimes a father, if they were older, if they were, if they, or if they couldn't work, in the gas chamber. Now they realize what's going to happen. Panic sets in. They stomp each other. People are running over each other. Children are getting uh, trampled to try to escape, but they can't escape because there's an iron bar blocking the door. Gas is released. Takes them about 20 minutes to suffocate and choke to death. Is their lungs filled with fluid? Then the Nazi soldiers come in. Takes them about two hours to rip those dead bodies, their kids, out of there. Go burn them in ovens. For the process to be repeated all over again until millions were dead and burned. How do you have a soul? How do you have a soul to make that comparison to this immigration crisis on our border? How do you, what, what is in your dark and putrid soul to analogize this unique stain on human history, the Holocaust, millions gassed and burned to death, tortured, Worked to death, not figuratively, 
literally worked to death. Desecrated. Stripped naked. Their very humanity taken from them. Their kids killed in front of their eyes. You make a comparison to a border policy in the United States of America, the most benevolent country on earth when it comes to immigration, just trying to get some semblance of order at its border? You Are, are you insane? Are you insane? Folks, this is sick. But what should bother you so you understand the terrain features of the fight you're getting into Liberals have lost their minds. They are doing this for a reason. They are doing this because none of you, none of you, would object if those thousands in that gas chamber at that time had managed to find their way out and had managed to beat one of those guards to death and escape. You object, you would celebrate it, as you should. Because those people who treated those Jews in this horrific stain on human history like that didn't deserve, didn't deserve to live. Making a comparison between the United States government and those savages, those Nazis that, that, that did that, is an effort to dehumanize people to make you feel the same way about you know, patriotic Americans just, just you know, doing their duty as, as to protect the border, protect American citizens from the dangers that could cross it. This is an effort for you to get to view them the same way. This is not a mistake. This is happening over and over and over again. Folks, read it. Read that piece. You know, I, 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 I challenge you not to shed a tear reading it. You know, I think most of us understand the horrors of the Holocaust. But you need to be reminded. I needed to be reminded this morning. I, 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 just, I, can't, I just can't get over what's happening. I just, I, listen, I just want to leave it with this, man. I feel like I'm talking like my friend. I'm leave it with this, man. These liberals will take something from you. Every one of you. I can't emphasize to you enough. Their politics begin at your front door. Yours end at your front door. Don't ever forget that. Their ideology cannot exist. Its oxygen is your freedom. They, they, they breathe in and consume your freedom. It is the only... A big government sphere and a big, vibrant, free individual cannot exist at the same time. They're sucking on the same air. The, the modern liberal, not the modern Democrat, I think a lot of them are confused. The modern liberal needs your freedom. It's his energy, it's his food, it's his air, it's his water, it's everything. They will not stop. I'm asking, and my, my show the other day was a warning was a very serious warning for you to be prepared for the sacrifices ahead you may have to make. All of you will lose something. All of you. If you're involved in this fight, if you choose to sit on the sidelines and watch your freedom dissipate, that's your choice. But I don't think you'd be here if that was the case, especially based on the email feedback. I was warning you because I have these conversations with my wife all the time. I, I, uh, folks, I, I you know, listen, I, I don't like to tell these because I'm not, my, my sacrifice is no bigger than anyone else's. But I had the greatest job in the world. I don't tell this story a lot. When I met Joe at WCBM, um, gosh, what was it five years ago? Who even knows? Something like that. Four. It's longer than that. Mm. Joe had to be. I left the job in right near 2012, six, almost six years ago. Mm. I was a, a young Secret Service agent. I loved my job. Still in my 30s. It was a great job. I understood and I saw the writing on the wall with the election of Barack Obama. I did. I knew I had to do something. It took me a while to figure out what that something was. 
I left. I walked away. You know, some people, sometimes I go on the news and they're like, retired Secret Service. I'm not retired. I don't have a pension. I don't have government health care benefits. I'm not retired. I resigned. I left. Mm-hmm. I say this to you because this email to Gary was real. This Gary, this, this clown, offended me at a deep level. I, as if I'm sitting here trying to celebrate, like, oh, look at me. I'm such a tough guy. No, I'm not. That was the point. Who comes on a show and says, hey, I got my ass handed to me in this jujitsu class so bad that it really, I train every day for the rest of my life to avoid that feeling of panic and anxiety ever again. I'm scared. I was scared. That's not me celebrating being a badass, you idiot. That's me trying to tell you that life is really painful and full of incredibly anxiety-producing, panic-inducing moments. I train my entire life to escape. But knowing if it comes, that I better be willing to fight it to the end because there's not going to be any tapping out. You know, I remember you talking to me, and I, I hope this doesn't bother you. You were having one of your times where you were dealing with some pains in your joint, and, and you were kind of down, and we were talking. And you said to me, and I believe you. We're very sincere. I can't imagine, Joe, not being strong enough to protect my family. Do you remember telling me that? I do. That was like six months ago. Yeah. And I, I think, no, you know what it was like? I think it was before I had my, um, the stem cell you, thing. I do remember the you conversation. You were very upset. And because, Joe, I had, I you know, know, having been in the street as a police officer and seeing what happens when people are robbed, sometimes in front of their kids, oh, beaten. Yeah. And can I, can I tell you a story? This is um, I hope my father's not listening today, but if he is, sorry, Dad, but I got to put this out there. There is not a lot worse in life than feeling helpless in a physical confrontation. I can't tell you enough the horrors of violence. That's why I can't strongly enough say to you, we have to avoid this at all costs and why I was begging the left to strongly reconsider this path they're walking down. When I was a kid, my, par- my parents got divorced when I was young. It's a long story. I'm not going to bother you with the details. But my mother married a guy. Married a guy who's um, still with him. Sorry, Mom. But he's a piece of garbage. He always has been. And I was about seven years old. And I'll never forget this. My father, he used to take us every other weekend he lived out in Selden, Long Island, and we lived in Queens above my mother's uh, my mother's bar. She owned the well; they sold it by then. But we still lived in the apartment. It was a dumpy place. As a matter of fact, I thought my father lived in a mansion in Selden. It was like a two thousand square foot, you know, <laughs> serious on a slab house in a not so great neighborhood. And we were so you know short of funds. I thought he lived in a mansion. But he had this yellow banana colored Nissan Maxima and he comes to pick us up. And my mother's husband was a drunk and he was an old boxer. And he's a big guy, he was about 6'4", something like about 300 plus pounds. He wasn't really fat. He was a big, just a big muscular guy at hands that were just huge. He's still with this guy. And uh, I'm sitting in the back seat and my mother and father had had a fight about something. I don't know, they were always fighting about something. So my father gets us and I could see he's like, He's choked up a little bit. And this guy, my mother's husband, follows him out. My father's a small guy. He's like 5'9", you know, maybe a buck 50 soaking wet. We get, um, I get my size from my grandfather, who was huge. My grandfather was an enormous guy. So he follows my dad out. And I'm in the backseat of the car. So I, and I'm on the, the passenger side. And this is in Myrtle Avenue and 64th place in Glendale, right outside the bar. So I can't, they're in the street on the left side, on the driver's side. So I'm in the backseat and I can't see everything because this guy was so tall. And my, all I could see was my father. And I see this guy approach him. It's my mother's uh, husband. And he attacks him. He grabs him by the neck and he bends him over. The, I remember it like it was yesterday. He bends him over the car. Like backwards, I'm not, you know, so the back of his head is like on the roof and his spine is is against the window. I'm saying, I'm telling you, I can, I remember it like it, like it, like it's happening right now. And he starts punching him. Now this guy's a, a boxer. This guy's a, a, a killer. Mm-hmm. I mean, he's a beast. 
And he just starts punching him and punching him. And my father was like screaming for help. And I'm screaming in the back seat and crying. And so are my two brothers. You know, I'm seven. And I'm telling you, I, I hate, you know, road to Damascus stories because they're usually bullshit when people say, oh, you know, man, you know, I had this moment change my whole life. Usually they're just saying I did make things more dramatic. No, no, that changed my whole life. My whole life. I can remember like two things that changed my life. Like that and this when the cops showed up in my house to stop this same guy years later who was trying to break into my house. The same guy, by the way. And the cops shut him down. I thought, thank God for the police. But he starts punching him and I hear my dad screaming. And this guy's like, I mean, this guy was could have killed him. And I, I'm, from that day on, I swear on my life, I said to myself, I will never, ever be helpless. You, you, you can do that to me. That's fine. But I, I, my father was helpless. He was, there was nothing he could do. It wasn't that he was like a coward or anything. He was trying, it was just an untenable, unwinnable situation. There was, it was, it was David versus Goliath with no rock and no slingshot. It was brutal hand to hand combat. And it only stopped because thank God this, my mother's husband, I don't even like to mention his name. His friends ran out of the bar who were somewhat sane. The bar was the same bar we we uh, you know we lived above. They were, I don't know where they were in the corner or what. And gra- and it took like five of them to get him off my father. So he gets back in the car. Yeah, you know, he's crying. You don't want to see your dad cry. He's not really. You know, the only other time I saw him cry was nine eleven when I heard him cry when he called me. And he thought my brother was dead. My brother was uh, worked for the fire department in New York, and they couldn't find him. But he was crying. I could see him, and he, and he, you know, he just, I remember him, he just kept saying, like, oh, it's going to be all right, kids. And it wasn't all right. Like, it's going to be all right. And he was, he was red, and he was beaten up, and, and you get these liberal jerkwads, man, like, you know, Nazis, go get them. Let's go kick their asses. They have no idea. They have no idea. They've never seen that. They have no idea what that's like. But I, I bring up that story because they will take something from you. I, I, I mean, I can't hammer home to you enough. These are not rational, sane actors anymore. They want something you have. And my only point in that entire show was protect what you can while you can. Because nobody knows what that flashpoint moment's going to be. Right. But Joe, they want it. They want not us. They want it. They want that flashpoint moment. Mm -hmm. Please pray to God every day. That never happens, but they want it. I'm telling you, they want it. They will take something from all of you. They will take your money. They will take your reputation. They will take your job. They will take your freedom if they can. But this dehumanization of people on our side, patriots who believe in liberty Family and God. This effort to paint us as a bunch of cattle or pigs not worthy of human behavior has a goal. And that goal is to reach that flashpoint. All right. Um, there's an interesting piece, really interesting, um, very well-written piece put in The Federalist by Jesse Kelly, who had run for Congress and is a military veteran that I will have in the show notes today. And it addresses some of these similar points, a little more dour um, than I would. Uh, I think he believe thinks America is finished, basically. And, you know, you, right now you should all just be ready. But it's a fascinating piece about how there has to be some recognition of the fight we're in and how America as we know it is now gone. And assuming we're playing by yesterday's boxing rules when it's now a no rules match will only get you hurt. He took the gloves off you, the liberals a long time ago. Fascinating piece. I have it at the show notes up at uh, uh, Bongino.com if you want to check it out. It's definitely worth your reading, so uh, check that out. Oh, man. Again, I only expected to do about 10 minutes on that, but 
It's important, ladies and gentlemen. I just can't emphasize to you enough the meaning, you know, that the sacrifices you're going to have to make here. I'm sorry. I wish I had better news. But you're all going to have to be willing, if you are serious about this, to give up something. Financial resources, time, whatever it may be, you're all going to have to sacrifice something because your their, their very liberal ideology begins at your front door. Make no mistake. Okay. Um, some other just... Gosh, I read this yesterday. I had to read it twice because I thought it was a joke and someone was messing with me. I mean, did you see this story, Joe, about John McCain? Yeah. That now McCain has been implicated, or McCain's staff, I should say, in in the IRS scandal. Yeah. That a guy with the last name Kerner, who was on McCain's um, staff or associated with John McCain. I have the story up at the show notes. You've got to read this, folks. And the only reason I bring it up is I'm, I'm not because not it surprises me. I'm in, I'll get to the point here in a second on it. Is that McCain's staffer apparently told the IRS to go out and audit these people to bankrupt them. In other words, to weaponize the government to attack some of these groups that they didn't agree with. This is John McCain, a Republican who was a Republican nominee for president. Folks, I wanted to talk about it today because you have to understand, I brought this point up repeatedly, that the swamp is a bipartisan disgrace. The Spygate story is a bipartisan story. That's the scandal here. Yep. There's a reason some Republicans up on the Hill want the Spygate story to go away. You think I'm kidding? Stay tuned. That you think this is only a Democrat thing? This is the difference between us and Democrats. Democrats lockstep, they will support anything Democrats do. Spying on people, supporting MS-13, it doesn't matter. We don't do that in the conservative movement. We call out our own and clean up this whole mess. Yeah. This story about McCain Stafford telling Lois Lerner from the IRS to audit and basically go after all these groups is, is, is unbelievable. I had to read it in two or three different places to make sure I wasn't getting smoked up. The swamp is a bipartisan disaster, folks. This is not exclusively the domain of big government liberals. The Republican Party, unfortunately, the large majority of them now, sadly, have become big government Republicans. They are the, the managed decliners. I say, you'll flip you. Flip you for real. <laughs> flip you, yeah. Thank you to Rod P for that. That is, play that, that's Benicio Del Toro. I say, you'll flip you. Flip you for real. Benicio Del Toro, flip you. Yeah. They flipped. Everybody, Republicans are now the managed decliners. Country's over. Forget it. Let's just play ball with the Democrats. Get rich on our own. And we'll be dead by the time this all collapses. Kind of like a Keynesian economic approach. Remember John Maynard Keynes' approach to economics. Don't worry. In the long run, we'll all be dead. That was that was, that was it. That was Keynes, the foundation of liberal economics. Don't worry about the long run. We'll all be dead. All right. Sorry, I got a little off track there. All right. Got next today's show also brought to you by buddies at We the People Holsters, one of my favorite companies out there. They have really terrific holsters. They, uh, I use their holster all the time. It's great. Um, Democrats are up in arms over the NRA's rating of gubernatorial candidates, but I couldn't be in agreement more with their grading system. The Republican candidates in Nevada have proven a track record of supporting the Second Amendment. That's where these guys are, which is no doubt why they received an A plus. Don't just choose a candidate who supports your rights. But a company who supports your rights as well. We the People Holsters was founded in the state of Nevada. Let me tell you, they nailed down their holster designs. Folks, they do their own stuff in-house. They have 3D molds. I'm going to get off the script here a minute because I hope they don't mind. But this is a really, really super good product. They may get a little upset. But if you do, We the People, I really love your stuff. So if you'd like me, uh, I'd just like to kind of ad lib a minute. They have their holster, right? So I get this thing in the mail. And a lot of these holsters out there, folks, I've had a problem with in the past, especially these inside the pants holster, is it's they're like one size fits all type holsters. Okay. So you, yeah, and I, I have a compact. Um, I have a compact and I have a subcompact. And the problem with it is, as you saw with that FBI video, which of that agent dancing with the gun in the, in the pants and it falls out and actually, as he picks it up, he, he hits someone. I mean, I hate that, but that's a, that that that's what happens with a lot of these terrible holsters. Now, you're not going to do a backflip in a dance, but you don't want to be running, God forbid, chasing down a bad guy or doing whatever, and all of a sudden that firearm falls out. We the People Holsters has these custom molds. These molds are fit exactly with precision to the firearm you have now. Just put it in a the firearm. They'll send you a custom fit mold that clicks right in there. 
No, there's no space. The tension's perfect. You can access it when you want. These are really, really terrific. You can adjust the cant. You can adjust the ride. There are four holes on the clip that match up with four on the holster. So you can adjust the cant and the ride. You can adjust the tension. It's a simple turn of a screw. Super simple. They have custom printed designs. Thin red line. They have the Constitution camo. They have designs for women. It's really terrific. Go check them out. Their holsters start at just $34. Every holster comes with a lifetime guarantee and every holster ships free. If it's not a perfect fit, send it back for a refund, but you won't need to. It's You won't. I, I, I'm telling you, it's that good of a product. Go to wethepeopleholsters.com slash Dan. That's wethepeopleholsters.com slash Dan. Wethepeopleholsters.com slash Dan. Use promo code Dan and get $10 off your first holster, which makes it only $24 with the free shipping. Come on, you can't beat that. Um, okay, uh, what else? Oh, fake news. More fake news. Joe. This is a fake news alert. The story you're about to hear is inaccurate, bogus, or just a bunch of crap. This is a fake news alert. Five alarm uh, siren there for Joe. (laughs) So there was this picture, which is pretty horrible, by the way. The picture's not fake. The picture's real. Of this young girl from Honduras who was brought here to the country illegally and you can see the picture it's been it's become an uh, iconic image now it's a Getty photo of this young girl and she's crying as her mother's being interviewed by border patrol Mm -hmm. now the the photo went viral relatively quickly time magazine has it on the cover and it was used as um a a story and a picture to drive home the emotions of parents being separated from their kids at the border. Like, look, this child is crying. The parents are being separated at the border. The picture's everywhere. Matter of fact, Joe, the picture is actually on the cover of Time magazine. Here's a problem, as you'll see in the show notes today with the article I posted. The story behind it is not the story the Democrats want you to believe. It is not a story of, did you you hear this yet? Yeah, yeah, yeah. The, st- the child was not separated from the parent at the border. Matter of fact, the mother's name is Sandra. The daughter's name is Yanella. The father, Dennis Hernandez from, uh, uh, from uh, Honduras, is now speaking out. The child and the mother were never separated. They did cross the border illegally. They paid $6,000 to a coyote to get here, a human trafficker, to get them across the border. And they tried to cross into the country illegally. They did not go to one of the many consulates in, in Mexico to claim asylum. They did not show up at a legal point of entry. And the child is still with the mother. Matter of fact, the father's quite upset that his child was taken away by the mother to go into the United States. Just read the story. Those are his words, not mine. It's at the Daily Mail. It's in the show notes. I bring it up, folks, because this is a perfect example of the left using imagery to invoke emotion on a story. Whereas, listen, it's a sad story. You can't look at the picture and not be touched by it, of course. But it's not a story about children and parents being separated at the border because they're not separated. This is my problem with the left again. And this is why, again, I have a, with all due respect to Jonah Goldberg, we're assuming we're dealing with reasonable people as if they're trying to make a reasoned argument. But reason, Joe, would dictate a disclaimer on that photo that although this is a, a horrible incident, I mean, you can't look at the picture of the kid crying and not be touched. Yeah. This is not, in fact, indicative of a Trump policy, which is not a policy, by the way, of separating children and mothers because they're not separated. Matter of fact, the father's quite upset about what happened, hence his interview. That's why, again, double, triple, quadruple check everything you see from the mainstream media. These are not journalists, folks. These are propaganda people. They are the propaganda arm of the modern radical far left movement, not even the Democrats anymore. Check out the show notes. Read the piece yourself. if You think I'm making this up? All right. Um, Some other news to get to. Uh, Andy McCarthy has a really, really good piece. I say that often, but this is really good. At National Review, will be up at the show notes today, uh, Bongino.com. Sign up for the email list. I will uh, send them to you. It is definitely worth your time. The gist of the piece is this. There's another flipperooski going on. I say, you'll flip you. Flip you for real. <laughs> 
There's another flipperooski going on right now. The Dipsy Doo flipperoo. And I believe McCarthy's onto something. Whether he thought of this himself or or somebody kind of, I don't know. But it's a really good piece. And the gist of it is this. That the IG report, Joe, what's been aggravating us about the IG report, the Inspector General report about the Clinton email investigation, Mm -hmm. a lot of us, is that they came to the conclusion that individual decisions could not be second-guessed due to political bias. And everyone was like, wait, are you kidding? The whole IG report is political bias. And McCarthy makes that point. The whole IG reporter texts showing that these people hated Trump and loved Clinton, the very definition of political bias. So, Joe, you and I and a lot of other people were shaking their heads going, wait, what do you mean? Like, there's no political bias uh, that can be attributed to individual decisions. The whole case was politically biased. McCarthy, who's a genius and does just amazing work, wrote this piece and says, wait, 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 wait. We may be missing something in here. This may actually work to Trump's benefit, and Congress should haul someone up on Capitol Hill and start asking some basic questions. And those questions are this. Let me try to sum this up for you. McCarthy's premise here is that if the IG and the accepted now Democrat narrative of the Clinton email investigation, which it is, no political bias, none, none, none. These were just bad guys, but no political bias. Yeah, yeah. McCarthy's saying that a corrupt motivation, which there's no question these guys had, read their text. You know, Hillary, Hillary, we're interviewing the president. They're they're like lauding her, and we don't care if they lie about that one guy in the skiff and all that other stuff. That a corrupt motivation, if belied, even these corrupt reasons, can be supported by valid, non-corrupt prior decisions. That no second guessing is allowed. Uh, it's, it's tough to, if you read the piece, he, he says it a little more. I'll, I'll explain it better here. That despite the fact that you may be able to point to a corrupt motivation mm-hmm. in these FBI investigators who are investigating Hillary Clinton, okay. Joe, that they can fall back on saying, well, we do have prosecutorial discretion with the Justice Department, the DOJ. Okay. And they do. Yeah. And the fact that we gave you reasons for those decisions, however unbelievable those reasons are, mm. but they are they are valid. They're not. In other words, Joe, if you're running for president and you're running against, uh, you know, Sean Casey over at WCBM, right. I like you and I don't like Sean. I do like Sean. He's a great guy. But and I'm an FBI investigator and I have you both on 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 uh, potential crimes. OK. And I let you go because I like you. And I go and decide to prosecute Sean. Uh-huh. I may have texts out the wazoo saying to other people, "Hey, I'm going to let Joe off because uh, you know it, it, Joe's a really nice guy, and here's why I think Joe's a nice guy." As long as I can base those prosecutorial decisions with the Department of Justice on some valid reason, even if the reason was corrupt, the fact that a valid reason exists is enough for them to say, "Hey, you can't second guess us. You gave us discretion." Huh. Okay. I, I, I'm, I'm so, I know if it's a little confusing, but it basically says it's no second guessings allowed because the reason, however, the corrupt the motivation would have been, there is a potential alternative valid reason. Does that make sense? Yeah, that does make sense. Mm-hmm. And the fact that there is a potential valid reason, even though it may not have been used, right. is not enough for us to say you guys totally screwed this thing up and should go to jail for it. No second guessings allowed. So McCarthy brings up huh. a brilliant point: how the left. This may be a flipperoo. The left now is trying to use that very same argument on Donald Trump for the firing of Jim Comey. I say, yo, flip you. Flip you for real. For real. They're trying to say with Comey that Comey's firing was due to a corrupt motivation. Joe. Yeah. It doesn't matter yeah. by their own logic in the IG report that there's no political bias because there was a potential valid reason. The same logic of no second guessing now applies to Donald Trump. You can't say the Department of Justice that works for Donald Trump in the executive branch. Uh-huh. Article two. Uh-huh. You cannot say that the Department of Justice has absolute prosecutorial discretion, right? right? And when there's a valid reason, even though the valid reason wasn't used and the reason may have been corrupt, that there was potential for a valid reason mm-hmm. means no second guessing and mm-hmm. everybody's okay. Yep. But then when Trump does the same thing 
a perfectly uh, a, a constitutional decision. Trump has the absolute power to fire the FBI director. The whole left's whole argument is, no, no, there was a potential corrupt reason. <laughs> and our response should be, yep, but there's a potential valid reason, too. Hey, and you, you just said that about the IG investigation. Boom. Mike Droparuski. Order. Order. Order, help. <laughs> Hat tip, Ron P. Gosh, this show is a spectrum of emotions, isn't it? That way, like, play that again. Order here. Keep order, I say. <laughs> it will be order. You cannot suggest that there's no second guessing when prosecutorial discretion involved if there's two potential reasons for a decision, a valid and a corrupt one. If there is only a corrupt reason, in other words, if Trump would have suggested that Jim Comey be beaten in his office. There is no potential valid. Are you understanding this, folks? Please get this because it's a brilliant argument by McCarthy. Mm -hmm. Hat tip Andy. Brilliant. 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 Get this guy. (laughs) (laughs) It's a brilliant argument. If you have a seesaw and on that seesaw is a valid reason and a corrupt reason, but a valid reason exists for the behavior. Mm Mm-hmm. The IG's premise is if that reason exists, even if it's not used, there cannot be any questioning because of the discretion. There would be no valid reason if Trump was assaulted, gotten a full mount on Jim Comey in the office, and started raining down elbows on his face. There is no no valid reason for that. Trump would be prosecuted, okay? Mm-hmm. But there is a potential valid reason for him hire, firing Jim Comey. Yeah. It was laid out by Rod Rosenstein in the firing of Jim Comey. All these dumb decisions he made. Their own logic that there's no second guessing is now going to blow up in their face. So to all you congressmen and congresswomen and uh, senators listening out there, and I know you do, maybe we should haul someone up there in court and start, uh, excuse me, up in the hill and start asking about that. Wait, wait. Okay. So we now we'll accept your premise that we cannot second guess discretion if there's a valid reason. Please explain to me how that same logic doesn't apply to a superseding authority in the executive in Donald Trump. Ah, uh, ah. Yeah. <laughs> well, it's just like your opinion, man. I mean, how are you going to answer that question? Genius. Really strong work by Andy McCarthy. Read the piece. It's definitely worth your time. All right. Uh, I got one more story for you. A little warning about the economy. Be careful a little bit. But uh, before we get there, we got a new sponsor. Happy to welcome these guys on board because this is a product I uh, desperately need it uh, badly. And I'm really glad they jumped on board. It kind of came in at the perfect time. Express VPN. They are the world's leading. VPN provider that lets you privately and securely use the internet at blazing fast speeds without being tracked by anyone. This, you know me and my fear of metadata and government's NSA metadata collection, yeah. all this other stuff. This stuff terrifies me, right? Yes, folks, you're being tracked, okay? Just accept it. I'm sorry it's terrible that it's happening, but you're being tracked. Mobile carriers, ISPs, uh, and potentially hackers all have access to your web history and internet data. Disturbing, but it's true. How can ExpressVPN help you? ExpressVPN encrypts your traffic and sensitive data while masking your IP address, thankfully, concealing your online activity from everyone, which in this day and age is critical. You don't, I mean, you don't know what these, what this, what's going on out there. With all the news lately about data hacks and breaches, it's hard for me not to worry about digital privacy. No matter what you do online, your mobile carrier and internet service, they are tracking it all. Comcast, Verizon, Time Warner, the list goes on and on and on. Companies like these have a record of every single thing you do. Every website you visit, every email you send, it's pretty ridiculous. So that's why I decided to take back my privacy and I'm using ExpressVPN. I don't use the internet without it. You shouldn't either. Your internet data is going to be encrypted. Your IP address is going to be hidden. It costs less than $7 a month and it's rated the number one. VPN service by TechRadar and dozens of expert reviewers. ExpressVPN has easy-to-use apps that run seamlessly in the background of your computer, phone, and tablet. Turning on ExpressVPN protection only takes a click. Super simple. Even I can figure this out, and I'm no computer wizard. No matter what you do online, whether you have something to hide or think that you don't, ExpressVPN is for you. If you're on unsecure Wi-Fi and you want to keep hackers and spies from seeing your data, ExpressVPN is for you. 
And if you don't want providers like Verizon recording your entire online history and then selling it to the whole world, which is true, ExpressVPN is for you. I don't want them selling it to the whole world. To take back your internet privacy today and find out how you can get three months free, go to expressvpn.com slash Bongino. That's expressvpn.com slash Bongino for three months free with a one-year package. Every day you use the internet without ExpressVPN, you're putting sensitive information at risk. Don't put this off. Protect your online data with ExpressVPN today. Visit expressvpn.com slash Bongino to learn more. Go check that out. Okay. Um, welcome on board, ExpressVPN. Happy to have you here. Great yeah. product. I have a story up at the show notes today about the economy. A little bit of a warning sign. I think we're we're in relatively decent shape. The debt problem is a little bit out of control. And obviously the bureaucrats and, you know, Hill Democrats and Republicans who don't want to do anything aren't helping in D.C. Mm-hmm. Uh, Senator Richard Burr and Susan Collins wouldn't even cut $15 billion of unspent money in a rescissions package. Uh, you know, Susan Collins is basically a Democrat, so she's uh, pretty useless. Uh, Burr isn't much better. Um you know, he blocked $15 billion in cuts. So uh, if he is your senator, I suggest you send a kindly worded, uh, I mean, that email, but protesting his horrible decision to not cut uh, $15 billion in unspent money from the budget. So that's a that's a bad sign. But just a little bit of a warning caution. The Joe, do you know what the two and 10 yield curve is? It's a measure of uh, interest rates for two years and 10 years, two years. No, no. Yeah, it's, yeah, the flattening of the yield curve is a general proxy. I, I promise I'll make this super simple. And, uh, I, you know, I, 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 I fast, I love economics and finance, my thing. But the flattening of that curve, the difference between interest rate proxies at the two and 10 year mark, when that flattens out, in other words, when they, when they converge and become somewhat similar, it's, been generally a sign that a recession might be approaching. It's starting to flatten out a little bit, which is getting mm. people a little bit worried. Now, it's not always and every single time a harbinger of a downturn in the economy. But it it's you know it's it's a proxy for it. And it is starting to flatten out. The basis point difference is starting to shrink a little bit between two and ten years. Now think about it. Um just quickly here, why the interest rates on on two two year notes and ten year notes would be different. Joe, if I'm going to lend you money mm-hmm. for two years, what do you think's more uncertain, me lending you money for two years or for 10 years? Like if I knew I'm going to get my money back in two years, wouldn't you say it, there's I should demand a higher yield on my loan to you for 10 years because it's more uncertain? If yeah, I know right. I'm going to get, there's eight years more of uncertainty. Eight years to blow it. Yeah. Right, right. You got, <laughs> Joe has eight years to God forbid, like blow it, screw it up, yeah. die, God forbid. <laughs> exactly. I shall be lost without him. So there's always going to be an interest rate premium on a longer, on a loan that's longer. This isn't really complicated. I, mean, I know I'm simplifying this a lot, but it's for the ease of the audience and the sake of time. Thank you. So there's always going to be an interest rate difference. Say I charge you, 3% to loan you money for two years. If right. I'm going to loan you money for 10 years, I may charge you 4 or 5%, maybe even more, yeah. uh, depending on the risk in the economy and the risk for you, right? Right. When interest rates go down and start to converge over time, uh, there's expectations. You know, here's one of the reasons that the yield curve flattening and the yield curve staying, uh, staying, staying apart may be the sign of a healthier economy. People start to expect inflation from a booming economy in the future. So your money's worth less, so you'll expect a higher interest right. rate and return on your money. Um, it's a it's a growth rate difference, you know, velocity of money in the economy and things like that. But you'll expect a greater return on your money in the future if you expect the economy to grow. Right. If you expect the economy to stink in the future, you may be just, at this point, looking for security and a lower interest rate will suffice at that point. Ah, okay. I, and I, I get it. I'm. Re- I know a lot of the financial guys out there. I, I, I get. We could talk about this all day. Why the different reasons the yield curve flattens. But just understand that that expectations of inflation and increasing economic growth in the future, people will demand higher returns for money to compensate for the inflation. The yield curve difference. The it, The interest rates will be a lot different as they start to flatten out. It's a sign of insecurity in the economy. People are are are, are concerned about the present rather than the future. Um, it's and and they're starting to flatten out a little bit. So basically, just kind of a warning sign out there. For a lot of you investors, I'm you know I'm it's not a financial show, but just beware. You know, there's a lot of good signs in the economy. But I'll put up the article. Uh, it's a CNBC piece, but check it out. It's worth reading. The guy explains it pretty well. A number of the various reasons. And again, it's not always a harbinger of bad things in the future. But um, I, I say it because 
you know, there were a lot of Republicans up there on the Hill that don't understand uh, even basic economics. Um, I know because I've spoken to many of them and it's disappointing. And let me just leave you with this thought for the weekend. If I could change just one thing, one thing, I would swap out a lot of the people we have running for Congress now for people who understand and have taken a basic economics 101 class. They don't get it. And they see things like this and they continue to spend money, run up government deficits as if everything's going to be peaches and cream in the future because they don't understand even basic warning signs. It's trouble. Look at it. Take it into account and maybe take proactive measures now so all of us don't have to suffer for your stupid decisions in Washington, D.C. But read the piece. Again, it's not nothing to panic about, but just a little bit of a warning sign. All right, folks. Thanks again for a great week of shows. It was our best week ever. I really appreciate it. The show is all for you. And uh, thanks for bearing with me today. I'm sorry about the emotional roller coaster. I didn't expect to get on that, but uh, deeply impacted me when we were a kid. And I'm, uh, I'm happy to share it with you. Maybe it explains a little bit about me. You've invested a lot of time in me, and uh, you should know a little bit about me. So thanks a lot. I'll see you all on Monday. You just heard the Dan Bongino Show. Get more of Dan online anytime at conservativereview.com. You can also get Dan's podcasts on iTunes or SoundCloud. And follow Dan on Twitter 24-7 at DBongino.